This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Cook and the block, and a block in there by Dozier, and he is down inside the one, but shy. Yes, uh, I thought the Lions did a good job in coverage. Uh, you know, not just you know they were they were doing a good job uh, taking away some things down the field, and and uh, um, you have to go where your reads take you, and and uh, and then those guys have to make plays too. And Dalvin did on the linebacker and man coverage. Amir obviously did on the screen and. Um, you know, we had a couple runs that hit as well. So it was a, a nice combination of plays to get down there and, again, to get seven. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. So I, I wasn't planning on derailing the show before it starts, but was he just insinuating that, like, because the Lions were doing a great job in coverage, that's why they didn't throw the ball a bunch and yes. it was their plan B to hand off to Dalvin? That's what it felt like he said. Yes, yes. <laughs> Come on, Kirk. How about a little enthusiasm? You just whooped up on the Detroit Lions. How oh, about God. sounding like you're really happy? And now we've just started. We started off the show ripping Kirk Cousins, even though there's really no, no just reason want to. Wait. Look, when Sorry, we don't, when we don't accurately or appropriately, right, celebrate Vikings wins, what do people say? Or some they say, "You guys, I mean, come negative. on, you're being did Kirk sound excited? No, he needs to sound more excited. I want excitement. We're way more excited than he is don't right now. Be, yeah, don't be us. Be more excited. Yeah. So, all right, we got a pie chart of praise, the third one of the season. We have a special surprise for all of you. The first ep- episode slash edition of Bears Ventline on Maggie and Judd today. That's going to be glorious. And uh, all kinds of other stuff here. If you missed Vikings Ventline on the Purple Daily Show, Purple Daily Podcast, um, YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast if you want to go watch that back or listen to it on demand on the Purple Daily feed. But let's talk about Federated for a moment here. You can check out uh, later today on the Score North socials the first ever Purple Minute powered by Federated Insurance. Federated is also on Twitter at Federated INS with fresh, relevant risk management content on a variety of topics that could impact your business, including uh, things like employment practices and uh, all kinds of other topics. So make sure uh, that you go to their website, federatedinsurance.com. During the month of November, Federated Insurance reminds you to find out what's in your forecast and take steps to avoid weather-related crashes as well, because I think we've probably uh, squeezed the last amount of great weather out of 2020. So at Federated Insurance, it's always our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. You know, when, you, when you're sitting there at, um, at uh, what were we, one and five, everything is collapsing. Your 
getting ready to jump off the cliff. You beat Green Bay, and then you start to get a little juice. You beat Detroit, now you start to get a little bit more juice. So I think the confidence juice. level helps. I think um, continuing to play, play well, I think, gives us confidence that we can do these things against against good football teams. And Detroit's a good team. They really are. Uh, you know, maybe they weren't their best today, but it, it was a, it was a good win. I agree with everything he said up until the Detroit is a good football team part. Oh, that's a lie. Yeah. I don't know that that's the case, but uh, I don't think we should take anything away from how the Vikings have just pounded the ball down division rivals' throats the last two weeks, and they are now back in the mix for playoff conversation with their schedule coming up. I'll, I'll give Zim credit for what he just said in this regard. There's a lot of coaches that that after beating the Packers and even Detroit would have gone up to the podium postgame and been like, you didn't believe, and now look at us, and we're coming back, and we're hot, and you guys, you... I thought that what Mike said there was incredibly fair. Yeah. Because he, I don't think he said that when they started with... Um, one win in the first six games. I don't think that he was saying that the outsiders said the world was collapsing. I think he's including everybody. He, he's like, it seemed awful, right? So I think that he deserves credit there for accurately summarizing at least that portion of what the feeling was when the team was one and five and what the feeling is now without going to the card of you naysayers. Look at us. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. No, that I drives agree me you. crazy. I agree with you. Like, cause, cause, it does feel like for the players when you're one and five, all of the things that were said were true too. And you know what? All the things that were said at one and five were true. They weren't playing well. Kirk Cousins was throwing the ball to opposing players more often than everybody else. Um, Not anymore. There were there were reports and rumors that players were potentially asking out via trade as the trade deadline loomed. And now you sit here and you watch some of the other teams that have taken losses in the NFC. And you look at the Vikings' schedule on the horizon. I mean, my God, the debate in Chicago this morning. In fact, before we get to pie chart of of praise for the Vikings, oh. let's just give you a little sneak preview okay. of Bears' vent line here because that's the Vikings' next opponent. It's a Monday night game, and it's it's at Soldier Field. And so I wouldn't expect the Vikings to come out victorious ever at Soldier Field, like even if they have Brett Favre at quarterback. But the main argument in Chicago is whether or not Mitch Trubisky should be the starting quarterback again. That's how bad things have gotten over there. You know, the old saying goes, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And Nagy even said that the offense is a recurring issue. And I don't know what he's really done to, to fix it. You know, I, I, up here you see LaFleur with the Packers. You know they they you know they have no wide receivers, so they go with that, you know playing three running backs, you know, and, and doing that, and uh, you see that that flexibility. So I'm going to give this team next week as a chance for Nagy to really show that he can do something. But if it's the same performance next week, then I think it's time for him to go and use the bye to reset and and look forward to you know a, a different future. <laughs> I believe these are courtesy of the score 670 yes. in Chicago, and some uh, might even be from Do the you ESPN guys 1000. know, aside from the fact that the Vikings had Peterson, who was great back then, do you guys know how similar 
this feels to to, to Vikings offenses circa two thousand seven and eight. Oh, it's, dude, far. It's, it's the same. Like you it's can't find the, the QB. So what do you keep doing? You're like start Farad this way. No, start Kelly Holcomb. Oh, that'll be that'll fix. No, no, bring Tavares back. Are you ta- oh, you're talking about the Bears? Yeah, no, I'm talking about because I think the Vikings now actually no, kind of feel like no, that the, too. Ba- the the Bears deficiencies and like. Saying, ah, oh, you know what? Let's try Mitch again. Yeah, it's the same thing that this and the you know Brad back then. What was his big thing? He would never tell you who was going to start that Sunday, right? Oh, you're like, not going to know if it's, it's going to be remember, one of the Detmers that we just signed. Exactly. It might be Brooks Bollinger, but we're not going to. I remember being in the hotel in Casey the night before they played the Chiefs, and I believe Tavares and Holcomb were were the quarterbacks. And like the big story for the next day was who's going to start. Like, think about that. That feels just like this. Think about the competitive advantage you have if they don't know whether it's going to be <laughs> Kelly Holcomb or Brooks Bollinger. That was next my week. beef with with Mike a few years back. Sometimes there's no competitive advantage. <laughs> It's not about watching this team as of right now. The offensive regression that we're seeing is just so saddening. You know, it's a beautiful day out there. We could have done some people, could have done something else, and yet we're treated to this. Matt Nagy, play calling, okay, we'll, we'll throw that one out. The offensive line is just horrible. That's on Ryan Pace. Right now, there is nothing about this team that makes me want to say, you know what, I really, really want to go watch this team every week. Amazing. The problem with those two calls, which were fantastic, (laughs) is this, okay? And I've seen this in this town, and I've heard it before, and it's a very dangerous place to be. Okay. When anger turns into almost rationalized, are you going to change it or not? Yes. Like, if if people are mad, it's almost good. If they call up and yell, Nagy, this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. You're nearly in a decent place there. But when, but when like, the Chicago sports fan becomes almost rational because they're so furious, that becomes a problem. Let's, uh, let's take a little more sampling okay. here. <laughs> It's a little interesting how you always let Nagy off the hook. <laughs> the same way you need home run hitter players, you need home run hitter coaches. A year ago, the Bears ran the ball five times in one game. I think that was the lowest since 1930. Matt Nagy is a pass-first coach. He will never run the football. You cannot win in the National Football League if you can't effectively run the football. So you have to understand that. This is play calling. It's scheme. If I see Cordell Patterson in the backfield (laughs) one more time, my head will explode. It doesn't work. I want Nagy to take that play card, throw it away, discard the play card. It does not work. I'll shut up and look. Your bingo card. Your bingo card just had a Cordero Patterson reference, right? It just had a Cordero and a play card reference. Man, this is Vikings, man. Ten years ago. It is. A play (laughs) card reference. How big? Is it huge or is it too small like Muskie's? That's the key question now. Dude, Muskie, man. Listen, Muskie, I mean, I... 
Bill Musgrave, I I used to go to fast food restaurants and get menus bigger than the play calling chart he oh, was using with Colonel yeah. Patterson. Those were like little small note cards. Amazing. Couldn't cover your mouth with that. We've got more. We'll we'll sprinkle in some more too. And we'll, was, and we'll sprinkle some in okay. on Purple Daily. That was really that. good. That was three or four really good ones. Let's get to the praise here. Now on Mackie and Judd. You wanted better charts that you could see the fine print on. The pie chart of praise. You should be singing his praises. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Let's start with Judd Zolgad, the third pie chart of praise for the Minnesota Vikings after their second consecutive win yesterday. All right. Six pieces. Six pieces of pie. Are you going to give... Is it going to be all five offensive linemen and Delvin Cook? Is that what you're doing? Are you going John Madden on no, us right now? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. They got dirty, though, yesterday. 15% they got dirty. Dakota Look at that boom. Dozier. Look at that boom. <laughs> Dakota Dozier. The poor guy on, on the Abdullah screen pass for a touchdown. I swear to God, guys, Dakota Dozier hustled downfield and was 15 yards downfield looking. He did a complete 360 saying, who can I block? And the Lions were all like, peace out, dude. We're good. Yeah, we're good, We're we're not. No, no, no. We're not doing that today anymore. All right. Six pieces of pie. (laughs) 40% goes to to Dalvin Cook, who, again, was outstanding. Dalvin Cook, if he continues on this pace, is going to make a very good case that the MVP and the top quarterback should be separated. Yes, it, I agree. There should be two separate awards. Because, look, without him, where are they? Seriously. Couldn't they just call it, like, the the most valuable non-quarterback or something? Seriously. And then it can be a pass rusher. It can be a running back. Yes. It should never not be a quarterback. Like, right. the quarterback should always be an MVP. Patrick Mahomes or Russell right. Wilson are it. I get that. But Dalvin Cook, again, fantastic. A career-high 206 yards. I mean, that's just incredible. So he gets uh, a 40% chunk of the piece of pie. 30%, Mike Zimmer. He continues these last two games. He's coached really good games. Uh, I, I still think that this goes back to the bye week and adjustments that he probably made on defense. But as much, I think he called Coobs in and said, we're doing it my way. We're going to run. And I'm not saying, gentlemen, that that is sustainable for the rest of this year because you're going to fall uh, behind in games and have to throw. But for these two games, it's worked really well. So Zim, whose team at one point was 1-5, and has won two consecutive games. And some of that has to do, for sure, in my mind, with coaching. Yeah, 30% to Zim. 20%, I'm going to do it as a chunk of pie, a whole chunk, not individually, offensive line. So you're just going to throw a chunk of pie out, five forks, and say, guys, go eat it. Let me give you a a Madden-esque line. Football. We are talking about road graders. The big fat guys are road graders. Ezra Cleveland, who stepped in at right guard, really the last two games has been fantastic. Um, I still think that there's probably issues with their pass protection, but guess what? I believe in the past two games, Kirk has thrown something like an average of 17 passes per game. It doesn't matter. Yeah, a lot of it doesn't matter. Yeah. So we are talking about a plan that uses the offensive line to what it does well. It run blocks well. Come on! Football! And now we get to the teeny pee little, little morsels of pie. The teeny morsels of pie. Just small. Just small. Just little ones. The novel you've been working on, little cherry pie? A little pastry? A little cherry pie? Carrot Bradbury? Okay. Just a small 5% piece. I was trying to go through last night. 
and think, what part of the defense really deserves this? Like, what what area, what area? I landed on the linebackers. Kendricks, Wilson, Kendricks these past two games has been fantastic. Yeah. Like, he's probably doing eight jobs. I don't know. He's ridiculous. But he has been fantastic, and, and that position group to me is a definite anchor group. Like, they stabilize things. Linebackers. And in particular, the two guys that got picks on Sunday, Wilson and Kendricks, 5% piece. All right? 4%, I have to do it. It's a backhanded deal, but I have to. 4%, the Lions defense. I thought the Packers couldn't tackle. Like, I think the Packers had a bad day defensively, boys. The Lions made decisions. (laughs) And those decisions were, we hate Matt Patricia. He's a defensive coach. We are not going to tackle. We are going to stink. And congratulations, they did. And that is 99% of a piece of pie. I like it. No, it's 99%. I'm not done. Oh, I'm, I'm. There's 1% piece left to give out. And that 1% piece goes to a man who, I will admit, postgame did not sound super thrilled about his team's big win. In fact, would, would you like to fire it up again? Yeah, this is enthusiastic Kirk Cousins breaking down Vikings' victory. Yes, uh, I thought the Lions did a good job in coverage. Uh, you know, not just you know they were they were doing a good job uh, taking away some things down the field, and and uh, um, you have to go where your reads take you, and and uh, and then those guys have to make plays too. And Dalvin did on the linebacker and man coverage. Amir obviously did on the screen, and um, you know we had a couple runs that hit as well. So it was a uh, nice combination of plays to get down there, and again to get seven instead of three, I think is a big deal. Just, just oh yeah, seven instead of three, just just firing off cliches. One percent, one percent piece of pie goes to a guy who is fully delusional, but I don't care because he's he. As long as you do your job, which is don't pass too much. Eyj. The last two games, gentlemen, the last two games, Kirk Cousins has thrown, thrown so not completed. 14 and 20 passes. On the list of games since he joined the Vikings in 2018, those fall two and three for fewest attempts in games by wow. Kirk Cousins. The only other one was the Falcons the Fal- ten, opener? 10 attempts, yep, in the uh, September 8, 2019 opener against the Falcons. Yeah. I'm giving him a 1% piece of pie because I don't care how he sounds. He just needs to accept his role. And he, these past two games, he has. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to like go kicking and screaming and, you know, that yeah, I just, I'll, I'll, I'll give him yeah. credit for that too. Like he the entire team has sort of come to the realization that all right, well, our formula to win and really it's the only formula offensively. It's it's one of the best formulas in the NFL when it's working. At some point, I would be concerned that the Chicago Bears are going to come out on Monday night and say that formula ain't going to be the one that wins you this game. Yeah, so find absolutely. a different one. But um, I'll get to my pie chart here. That's so, so go through years again. Okay, real quick. so so Cook forty percent piece of pie. Zim gets a thirty percent piece of pie. The offensive line as a whole gets twenty percent. Linebackers from the Vikings get five percent. Four percent goes to a Detroit d- uh, defense that made business decisions, and those included not trying on Sunday. And then a small one percent piece to Kirk Cousins for accepting who he should be. The Rock knows right. how you feel about pie. All right, boys. I have four pieces of glorious. High chart of praise here for the Vikings. We'll start with the largest chunk. 70% goes to Dalvin Cook. He's the best running back in the NFL. Before the season, I was saying if he's healthy, he's top three. He's healthy. He's number one. He's more versatile than Derrick Henry. He's, I would say there's other guys that sort of 
fit the same mold of you can play him on every down. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you can play on every down. Um there's other guys like Kamara. You know, I mean, Kamara for sure, Zeke Elliott, yep. like but he's the best of all of those. And and here's the amazing set of statistics on him. I'll give you a few here. So he's actually played fewer games than all of the other running backs that are vying for the rushing title. Mm-hmm. Yet he sits atop. Mm-hmm. So he has played one fewer game than Derrick Henry, and he has 15 more yards. He leads the NFL in rushing yards. He leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns. And he leads the NFL with six yards per carry among running backs. The only player that has carried the ball at least 75 times that has a higher rush yards per carry is Kyler Murray, because Kyler Murray can just sort of <laughs> spring from the pocket whenever he wants to. Yep. Uh, he's averaging seven yards per carry, but this is by all accounts an historical season for Dalvin Cook, and he's only halfway through it, so he's got to stay healthy. Um, here's a couple more nuggets. I found this on stathead.com yesterday and tweeted this out. Mm-hmm. This is only the sixth time in Vikings history a player has gone for 225 scrimmage yards or more and two touchdowns or more in the same game. Dalvin Cook has done it twice each of the last two weeks. Adrian Peterson did it twice, both times in 2007, his rookie year. Chuck Foreman did it once in 1976, and Bill Brown did it in 1964. That's your list. And Dalvin Cook makes up 33% of that list. And I'm going to guess it's probably not the last time he goes for 225 from scrimmage and a couple of touchdowns. Maybe not even this year. So I just give, I mean, yes, there's other things and I will praise other things. But when you set up the game plan and you and then you execute the game plan for this guy to thrive, look what happens. Like, obviously, uh, he has shown you and shown the entire league how good he can be. 10% of my pie. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Goes to the offensive line. And maybe yeah. I'm short changing them a little bit, but. The offensive line deserves huge credit for just setting. I mean, you know, were they perfect on every play? No. Was Dalvin Cook having to sometimes improvise on his own and juke back and find his own holes? Yes. Uh, but ultimately, <clears throat> when you include Alex Madison toward the end of the game, the offensive line helped pave the way for eight yards per attempt yep. on 34 attempts in that game. It was a college football game. It was like watching Ohio State play the Gophers in the mid 90s or something. Every single time they hand it off, it was, was the same, right. boom, a sprint to the first down yeah. marker. Uh, actually, one other Dalvin Cook note here, all right? Dalvin Cook has gained 48 first downs on the season in seven games. Mm-hmm. So Dalvin Cook is averaging like seven first downs per game. Think about that. And a lot of those are like, he just runs for 10 yards. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. 14 or and something. He goes. Mm-hmm. So the offensive line did a really good job, and they have, I think, just sort of incrementally improved week after week after week. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. And run blocking. 10% of my pie goes to Mike Zimmer because the team clearly has not lost faith in him. How many coaches, after being around for seven seasons, seven seasons, right? One, two, three, four, five, four, seventh, yeah. Seventh season, and you start one in five. That's almost always a recipe for an in-season firing or maybe just like, all right, it's over. We're going to ride the season out. How many coaches who've been there that long, who start off that poorly, lift it back up and get everyone reengaged and get everyone back on the same page? So we'll see what happens. Maybe they get smoked by the Bears on Monday night. I mean, this thing is still a little bit of a house of cards because, you know, they have to keep winning. Yeah. Um, but the fact that uh, the team clearly has not quit on him after a one in five start, major credit to Mike Zimmer. What were you going to say? Me nothing. Oh, sorry. No, I'm going Rock knows how you feel about Um, I. I like it. And also, like his stable of inexperienced defensive players is stepping up. I mean, is it perfect? Are they still allowing some big plays here and there? Yes. 
but uh, but he's taken a bunch of rookies and inexperienced backup type guys, and he is doing very well with them don't, the last couple weeks. Don't also lose sight of the fact that it's very interesting that they are clearly a more cohesive group without Ngakwe, which I find to be interesting. I don't it, know what uh, it means exactly, but it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, and you know, actually, if you go back to some of Mike Zimmer's teams with Cincinnati and whatnot, like a lot of his best defenses weren't, up until Daniel Hunter came along, weren't predicated on the big-time pass rusher. It was more of a schematic and it was approach. Pre- it was pressure. You're exactly right. But it was it was pressure in the interior. It was pressure right. sometimes from but linebackers. But it wasn't sacks. Yep. It wasn't exact, like Jared really, Allen, yes. Michael Strahan. It wasn't that. The Rock yes. knows how you feel about pie. And then the other 10% of my pie chart of praise goes to Gary Kubiak. Ooh. So Gary Kubiak came into this season with a reputation of being one of the great run schemers in the last 20 to 25 years. The guy that could take your sixth-round pick running back, your Arian Foster, your Terrell Davis, other random dudes, and just turn them into pro bowlers and guys who can gain, you know, 1,000, 1,500 yards. This, what we're watching these last couple of weeks and what we've sort of watched evolve this season, this is what happens when you put one of the great run game schemers together with one of the NFL's great running backs, and the offensive line does enough to, to create some holes. Um, you get a team now that not only leads in rushing, but the Vikings lead the NFL in yards per play offensively overall. You can make a strong case this morning, based on the numbers, the Vikings have the best or most productive offense in the NFL, and they're doing it the old school way and the handoff way. I would love, I still, I would love to know what, what transpired during the bye week, where they did shift things, which they clearly did, but like. Were those discussions Mike going to Gary or Mike and Gary sitting down? Like there, there, there was just a definite, in my mind, discussion about the fact that Kirk's, Kirk has thrown ten picks. Kirk does not look great, but that does not make Kirk a terrible QB. He has to be used right, and Dalvin as well. So I would love to to have been a fly on the wall for that to hear like how they morphed the offensive philosophy to where they've been at these past two games, which is to say, if we use guys correctly, it's going to work out. You know, some of it, I think, too, is maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but it took them like, what, five or six weeks to figure out who their best five offensive linemen were. And maybe some of it was they just needed Ezra Cleveland without a preseason slate and without offseason workouts to just get ingrained into NFL culture and practices. But has Ezra Cleveland been perfect? Absolutely not. But is Ezra Cleveland clearly their best right guard so far that they've tried out this season? Yes, and it makes a big difference. Yeah. I, I mean, Drew Samia was a train wreck. Like, it was awful. And this guy has stepped in and and probably been asked to do exactly what he can do, which is great. But, yeah, it's just the the change in these past two games to where they've been, and I realize it's very important. It's not sustainable if you're down by 14. But just to sort of dominate the the line of scrimmage and the game itself is what's going to work for them. And if they fall down by 14 or so, it's probably done. But still, it's good to see that they are they are using Cook as he has to be used. The issue is, can he stay on the field consistently? Yeah. And I don't know if the answer to that question is yes. I'll give you one more real quick off the offensive line uh, slice of pie here. And we'll get way more into our football nerd segment tomorrow is going to have a ton of material on, on Purple Daily, so be sure to check that out. But uh, on the offensive line, so pro football focused is is what we tend to lean on for offensive line grades because, like, unless you're sitting there with a trained eye and you're staring at the trenches for three hours, which, like, nobody does. I think you should do that next game. 
I think we should make our uh, our video scout Declan do that actually against the Bears. You only oh. watch the offensive line against the Bears and report okay. back to us. Vikings offensive line. <laughs> I can do that. No, let's pick out some more college quarterback. That's more fun. Yeah, yeah I, don't do I don't don't want him doing that. That's a bad idea. That's a bad uh, use of his time. But so so pro football focus grades on a one to one hundred scale, and it's it's like real life Madden grades, right? And anything under fifty is kind of a train wreck. If you're fifty to sixty, sixty five, like it's bad, but it's it's not yeah. Pat Elfline bad. Once you get above like seventy grades, you're very much starting caliber, and you're and you're good, right? Garrett Bradbury in 2019, overall offensive line grade of 57, which is like borderline ooh, tough to start you in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. This year, just a tick under 70 overall. Okay, So he's made a big step forward, and he's made big steps forward in both pass blocking and run blocking. And on, on a run blocking scale, he's a 72. So he has become a good run blocking so he's center. very solid. Okay. And he's taking a big step forward. And I think that's a really big deal that you may have found your franchise center. Uh-huh. Even if he's not a, a you know a perennial all pro, if he's just a reliable franchise center for five or six years, you can breathe a sigh of relief. So 70% Dalvin Cook, 10% offensive line, 10% Zimmer, 10% Gary Cooper. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Dex, what's your pie chart of praise? I have a very similar pie chart of praise as you feel. Uh, it starts with Dalvin Cook. 60% of this pie. I have four pieces of pie. Four. Pieces of pie. Dalvin Cook, 60%. He's a monster. He's an absolute fiend. I mean, 220 yards uh, yesterday, and and he absolutely is running all over the place. It's like when you put the rookie setting on Madden, and, and you're just... And, and also, you're like an adult. So it's not like you're a kid and you're playing on rookie. Like, you are an adult. You put the difficulty on You're a on grown-ass rookie. man. You're in the Packers front grown office. Grown-ass man, and you're averaging 10 yards per carry, which is almost what Dalvin averaged yesterday. So Dalvin Cook is a monster. Can't wait for our Viking statements on Purple Daily, because I have another one to make, but 60%. Of the pie to Dalvin Cook. Love it. 20% of the pie does go to the Vikings offensive line. They were, as you say, road graders yesterday. They were phenomenal. They were creating lanes. And, I, you know, I think it's a little bit that Dalvin Cook is a very dynamic running back. You don't. We talked about this on Bentline. There isn't a bunch of dancing around looking for the holes like AP used to do. This dude just plows forward and, and is an absolute monster. Like, and, and the offensive line does deserve credit for that. He kind of glides, doesn't he? Like, yes. He, it's almost like he's floating an inch he actually, above the ground. He he actually waits. A, AP's biggest problem was, and and there were guys on the line who had drove crazy. He would run up their backs, and I, I think it was Hutch who finally said, "Adrian, watch me and wait because you are on my heels, and I can't block that way." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I it feel I think Phil, your reference to Dalvin gliding is because he actually he hesitates just slightly and waits for that block to open things up where Peterson was basically on top of things way too quickly. The Rock times. knows how you feel about He pie. was still great, though, just to be clear. So that's two pieces of pie. I'm up to 80%. I'm going to give 10% of pie to our guy Kirk Cousins. Wow. Kirk Cousins deserves a little piece of pie for today. I mean, uh, I, I get for yesterday. He was, he was pretty damn good. 220 yards, three touchdowns, 11 yards per attempt. He was able to find Justin Jefferson, able to find Irv Smith. Kirk deserves some credit. I know he's overpaid, whatever. This was a good game for Kirk Cousins, back-to-back games for Kirk. And, and now it's, I know it's Kirk October in October. Now it's Kirk November. You know, Kirk, Kirk member. Kirk, Kirk member. I don't, I don't know how we want to roll with that. But Kirk does deserve some pie. And then the last piece of pie does go to Mike Zimmer. 10% of this pie to Mike Zimmer for being very creative. And I know Matt Stafford didn't practice this week, but still, Matt Stafford with no practice in quarantine is automatically better 
than Chase Daniel and David Blau with a full week of practice. Let's be real here. Don't put Chase Daniel down, man. He's it's really true. so it's good. True. He, did, he did best Mike Zimmer last year coming <laughs> off cold off the bench, so I, I can understand it. But I do think Mike Zimmer deserves some credit, and that defense uh, was very opportunistic, creating some turnovers, yeah. so he gets 10%. So my pie chart of praise, Dalvin Cook, 60%. Vikings offensive line, 20%. Kirk Cousins, 10 And Mike Zimmer, 10%. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. There it is. There it is. Pretty similar. We're all giving Dalvin Cook the, the lion's share. Oh, no I see what you did there. Of hey, the pie. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope he smattering. can bear down next week. <laughs> uh, the Bears. There are disturbing things. He doesn't seem to be able to run a hurry-up offense. And he doesn't seem to be able to understand tempo. When they're moving down the field, then he huddles up when he has the other defense on the ropes. Unfortunately, you know, you're judged on wins and losses. They started out pretty good. Uh, However, we have to remember that, you know, three plays go the other way for the Bears, and they're they're like two and seven. You know, at the end of the day, you got to win. And if they can't win, then I think they have to replace them. And Mr. Pace shouldn't be too far behind him. Courtesy of our fire the, the GM too, and they are going to have to fire the G- GM. You can't, you cannot recover from drafting Trubisky above the guys that he did. No, I really don't tough. think you can. I think it's just it's impossible. Tough. It's tough, and if you do, he can't be this bad. Like. Right. It would be one thing if, sure. all right, Mitch is, uh, if it would be one thing if like Mitch was Matt Stafford or Kirk Cousins or something. Yeah, like, think, all right, yeah. he's, he's a starter. He's for sure a starter. But okay, speaking of Matt Stafford, uh-huh. what the hell was he doing yesterday? Yeah. And credit to the Vikings defense for making him see ghosts, but he threw some of the worst interceptions. He, he can get that way, though, sometimes. He gets a little squirrely and gets that Brett Favre. Like, Brett Favre <laughs> yeah. walks into a stadium and says, boys, I'm throwing five picks today. Here's what I don't get, though. He, so, Stafford has come in uh, to this stadium before with fans, right? So it's like noisy, and and he's played really well. So like, what was that? There's no fans. There's 250 like friends and family there. Well, now, in fairness, so I, I don't know if you guys saw this before the game. So his apparently, so in addition to him being just like isolated due to COVID protocol, apparently his daughter had a fall yeah. and hit her head and, and had a concussion like his little daughter yes and so she was in the hospital on like friday night so he was going through a lot of stuff um so i don't know maybe he had just personal things going through his head or he watched his d- defense play for the first two quarters of that game and said hell if you're going to do that i'll just throw well, the ball like this i'll i'll take for trevor yeah that's whatever just, that's what, you guys want whatever man yeah. whatever uh, hey before we uh so we just we just heaped a bunch of praise on the Minnesota Vikings but you know this is a fair and balanced show okay there are checks and balances on the show so let's make one trip around the room here vikings oh, yeah. nitpicks well, I've got four of them, darn it. Vikings nitpicks. I was, I'm well planned, well prepared classic. for today's show. Classic Zilgad. Cla- it is classic Zilgad. Classic they, they beat Zilgad. A team handedly. You and, know what I'm doing? Four I'm doing the same thing that they're doing in Egan today. I'm breaking it down. All right. All right. My biggest nitpick from the Vikings one-sided win against the woeful Detroit Lions on Sunday is this. Getting two punts blocked in a real game will end your chances to win that game. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> you the two can't punts have two. Right. You one's bad, and I but I sort of get that. But when you have two punts essentially deep in your own territory blocked, if you're playing a real team, that results in what I like to call 
a loss. Uh, can we fire Prefer again? Wherever he is, he's fired again. Who's oh, their current special teams coordinator? Some random guy. Yeah, I probably forget doesn't have his name up top. A. Yeah, I forget guy, his name up top of my head. No, but anyway, anyway, let's limit the blocked punts, okay? Yeah, that was so. We the, don't like to see that on film, as so they say. The Lions. So the Lions hadn't had a block punt up until last week. The Lions hadn't had a block punt since like 2006. They said on the broadcast. Now yes. they have three in their last two games. Yes, because they also had a block punt. So last explain week. this though. The first one that, that they blocked, it was as if the guy that blocked the punt went rogue. Yes, he Be- did. Because the Vikings got the ball, it and was like not all his teammates were just downfield. They're like, hey, yeah. the punt got blocked. It should have been a touchdown if if it was or an actual a first down for the Vikings because they got the ball back. But if it, if it was an actual like they weren't trying to block the punt, and the punt still got blocked, and if so, if the Lions had been trying to block the yes. punt, it would have been a touchdown. Yes, mm-hmm. and I can't remember if it turned into a touchdown or if it that didn't. was uh, he threw a pick. Okay, the so, second one did for Detroit. Man, uh, Dex, what about you? Vikings? Yeah, picks. all right. I'm going to pull a Gretchen Wieners here from Mean Girls. Can we stop making Chad Beebe happen? Like, <laughs> I, I'm so sick of this Chad Beebe experiment. He was on the field for 17 snaps yesterday. Irv Smith was on the field for 22. Like, I, I'm so sick of Chad Beebe, like, being this guy for the last, what, it feels like four training camps. Oh, watch out for BB. Watch out for BB. Then he gets disastrously injured. <laughs> this is an and amazing we try to make him happen. Right and I can't stand it. Get him <laughs> off the field. What is the point of Chad BB? He, dude, he Show looks me like the point he of looks Chad like Beebe. you. Why don't you like him? No, it, it, it's his last. His last name is getting him far in life right now. Okay, I was at the bank on Tuesday when I had to cash a check. Oh, you're related to Jared Goff? No, I'm not related to Jared Goff. Okay, I'm not him. <laughs> I'm not overpaid and bad at my job. I'm one of those things, but I'm not overpaid, okay? I'm just, I, stop making Chad BB happen. I love it. That's all. That's my nitpick. That's amazing. Of all the things, I yeah. it wouldn't have crossed my mind. So um, so you don't you don't think he can be a reliable possession uh, receiver? No. Is what you're saying? And, and, what, and, and what evidence do we have to suggest he can? What happened, last ta- week? what happened to Tajay Sharp, by the way? Has he been active Wit- for any games? Witness protection right now. Or even our guy BC. BC yes, Johnson. Yes, he's been active, I think, for like two games. BC Johnson was on the field for eight One snaps yesterday. Dude, Where's BC. our guy BC? BC's oh, a B- great guy. BC's out, man. BC is BC is long gone right now. We actually had, so we had, just behind the curtain here, we had a chance to for BC Johnson to be on our show on a regular basis, and we were... We were right. kind of considering, like, man, if he's going to be the number the number two wide receiver, but then it's like, well, what if he's not and they lose? Um, he's a good guy, but that would have been uncomfortable. That was a yeah. good executive decision um, to pass on that one. He's a good guy. The Rock knows Congratulations, how you feel Phil, about you coming. Wrong, wrong sound bite there. Um, all right, well, and I want to hear Judd's other nitpicks, too, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you this one, okay? The Vikings have been so great about going for it and being aggressive on fourth and short once they reach midfield. There we go. They had a moment. I can't remember if they were. I think they were up by a couple of scores, like a chance to just put the game away. At the time they made this decision on fourth and two from midfield in the second quarter, the Vikings were averaging 11 yards per play offensively. Mm-hmm. And the Lions were also moving the ball. So it, it wasn't like, hey, they got a backup quarterback in. They're doing nothing. Let's just pin them deep and make them work 13 for to it. three at the time, by the way. So they're up 13 to three. Yeah. They've got a chance. They're averaging 11 yards per play at the time of this decision. And they have a chance to just completely end the game and step on the, the the Lions' throats, and they choose to punt on fourth and two from midfield. This is a now the Lions. Thankfully for the Vikings, the Lions bungled all of this, and it didn't matter. But this is the type of thing mm-hmm. that swings momentum of a game and loses momentum. Okay, the Lions get the ball, and I think they started the drive because the Vikings didn't pin them. The Vikings started the drive at like or the Lions at like the fifteen or twenty. So it wasn't like we pinned him at the three. Mm -hmm. The Lions literally ran three plays, and they were back to the Vikings' 40-yard line. There was a penalty in there, and then there was a couple of pass plays. 
And so the misperception people have is, well, we're up 13 to three. We don't want to lose momentum by getting stuffed on fourth down. They're already, they're like worried about losing momentum. Well, you're already losing momentum when you punt. When you punt, you are giving them the momentum. Yeah. You're right. So it they couldn't stop you. So and so when, right. when the Lions are coming back down the field, and I think that was also one of their interception drives, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they they had a chance to go in and make it 13 to 10, and now it's almost halftime, and it's like, whoa, you just dominated the first half because you punted and allowed them to come back down. So stop punting on fourth and short from midfield, especially when your offense is plowing forward like they were. I like it. All what, right. what are your other nips? I will give you one more. Okay. And I say this, I preface this by saying this is a nitpick for me as a football fan. Because what the Vikings are doing is working, all right? So I'm saying this as a fan of the sport, and I enjoy seeing potential greatness at least, all right? The Vikings' approach, the newfound approach to the offensive schematics in these past two games, has held Justin Jefferson to six receptions with a long of 35 yards, which I think we got yesterday, in two games, all right? Yeah, and it, it ain't going to work long-term. As a football fan, but I mean, it's worked in these two, two games. So the nitpick is not, oh, it's not working. This is crazy. The nitpick is Justin Jefferson, to me, is a special talent. And, like, his big plays are incredibly fun. And and six receptions in a two-game span takes away the ability to watch an emerging star. Yes. He is on pace for 88 targets this season. He has, he has 44 targets through the first uh, eight games this year, right? Yep. Just to put that into context, so 88 targets. Last season, the top targeted wide receivers in the NFL were Michael Thomas, 185. Julio Jones, 157. He also missed a game, so bump that to 170. Allen Robinson, 154. Julian Edelman, 153. DeAndre Hopkins, 150. So the most talented wide receivers in the NFL, which he is one, are being targeted twice as often as he has been so far this year. Yeah. Just just for context. Yes. And I think that's problematic. Even with the current system they're running, like you still gotta find that guy. Well it probably is, but but again, too, we come back to this. And I don't think that he probably handled it super well, but how smart does Stefan Diggs look now? This would be a disaster. He would be he would be privately at, at least going crazy. Yeah, Stefan Diggs, it's it's working for both teams because the Vikings absolutely. aren't missing him. Yeah, absolutely. But Stefan Diggs now leads the NFL in catches and yards. He's leading both categories as a wide receiver. 63 catches for 813 but, yards this year. But Stefan Diggs, give him credit for this. Stefan Diggs was smart enough to know that the Vikings' path to, to success offensively was through Cook and through not passing. Yeah, and now he's now he's playing shootouts every week in Buffalo. <laughs> he probably loves it, good for him. I don't know what the over-under was uh, in that Seattle-Buffalo game, but uh, they definitely hit like 80 combined points. So, um, boys, that's a, that's a wrap on our uh, nitpicks. We always have things to, uh, to keep this thing balanced. When we come back after a quick pause, things we learned around the NFL on Sunday. And also, we should touch on the Gophers beating Illinois, too, and at least not. Hey, the boat didn't sink. I mean, their season go completely off the rails. <laughs> go, it's a touchdown! <laughs> Football. Come on! Football! You think you like football? John Madden doesn't just like football. He f- 
loves football. Have you ever seen a defensive back with a good personality that was any good? Defensive backs usually don't have nice personalities. <laughs> and linebackers don't either. I mean, linebackers, you know, they're all half goofy. You know, they got their eyes, you know, staring and looking and cross. Now, the nice guys are like this guy here, Jason Garrett. Third quarterback, wears a cap, went to Princeton. These guys like this guy here, Charles Haley. Nope. No. Football! Football! Are you guys ready to go around the NFL, talk about the things we learned on NFL Sunday here on Mackie and Judd? Let's fire up the music. All right, let's start with Judd. We'll go around and uh, educate ourselves. I learned this. In fact, I saw this uh, in the Vikings game on the opposing sideline. I learned that the NFC North could have two head coaches fired and neither will be named Mike Zimmer. Mm -hmm. Matt Patricia should be out in Detroit after what we saw Yesterday, I mean, if he survives 2020, I guess that's fine. But I think the day after the season, he gets fired. And Matt Nagy in Chicago, gentlemen, um, what they've dropped three in a row. They are now at five and four. He is a offensive coach whose offense is absolutely lost and terrible. So I'm not going to be surprised if at least the day after the regular season comes to its conclusion here that Matt Patricia and Matt Nagy are both out of work and that the Lions and the Bears will have new head coaches next season. And think about if that happens, and I think it probably will happen. We're going to blame the coaches, and those coaches are going to be vilified, and that those guys are incompetent. But really, it goes back to the same problems that those franchises have had for mostly decades. That The the Lions' problem is that they're just overall incompetent. And every coach that they've hired, basically, Wayne Fonts for a couple of minutes was regarded as a great coach because he handed off to Barry Sanders for five years. Um, but it's like, oh, you know, literally name any coach that they've had in the last 20 years. Like, incompetent, wrong guy, idiot, right? Is it is it the coaches? I mean, Matt Patricia oh, might be an idiot. run franchise. So it's probably both. And for the Bears, it's like, well, this guy can't run an offense. Okay, well, what, like, why is it that literally every coach, <laughs> Lovey Smith brought you to a Super Bowl, can't run an offense? Why is it? Is it the weather? Is it the grass? Is it the front? Like, is it the ownership? It's because some teams cannot identify the most important position in sports quarterback, and they clearly cannot. It's they amazing. drafted Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I mean the George Washington on the Bears Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks is Jay Cutler. So and Sid Luckman. So he's the Abe Lincoln, right? Yeah, Jim McMahon, and he's from the fifties. Jim McMahon was there to hand the ball off, baby. Yeah, great headband. Hand the ball off. And he did have. Yes, that's very true. Football. Uh, I'll start with, the, there is not a single great, bona fide number one team in the NFC. I can't find it. I can't find it, and especially after the Buccaneers laid an absolute egg and Tom Brady played one of the worst games oh. of his career yesterday. I turned. I mean, I turned the game off at halftime. It was a buzzkill. It was very exciting waiting for that game. It's going to be great. It's going to be an all-time classic, and uh, I was just like watching the news again it, after... First quarter, basically. It, it was a great Sunday. I went from the Vikings game, went for a nice walk. Big Daddy was on Netflix. Great film. Transitioned wow. right into Sunday Night Football. I was like, man, I'm locked in. I got Fargo. Now. Like, Sundays are for watching TV for me. It is my ritual. And I was really disappointed that that <laughs> Sunday Night Football game turned out to be an absolute clunker. And yeah. there, there's, like, there's four teams in the NFC right now with at least six wins. So there's parody, and, and, and it's going to be fun to watch, and I'm excited for the playoffs. 
but I can't find a number one bona fide number one team in the in the NFC right now. No, I think it's is it possible that the Saints are emerging that's into that my, conversation? That's more and more my team. I have a weird feeling that that the answer to your question on the Saints is yes. I mean, they lost a couple of games early, but now they've got Michael Thomas back. Yep. Drew Brees suddenly, oh, his arm's not shot because he's got Michael Thomas. I mean, even the Ar- that works. Even the Arizona Cardinals, they have the best point differential in the NFC right now. You yeah. know, like you you don't you don't really know who is the number one team. What was Tampa doing though? That, like, how do you come out and look dude, that awful? That Tom Brady pass. And oh. I said, you tweeted out that it was like the Brett it was Favre, the Favre one. playoff pass. Yes. It was just atrocious. Was you know, sometimes I had the sense with New England that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady would be willing against a team they knew they were going to face in January. They'd be willing to not show their cards and take a loss. That's not that, that thought crept into my head last night. It's like, is Tom Brady bringing the New England philosophy of, hey, let's just run super vanilla stuff. If we get beat, that's okay. Or did they just get waxed? And I, I tend to lean toward they just got their asses kicked. I agree with but that. But I feel like in New England, it That's happened a couple much. times. Like, yeah, well, let's, uh, let's not show them our best But then you sort of lose by like 10 points, right? Right. Not 38 to 3 or whatever the hell <laughs> it was. It was awful. All right. I learned football. I learned that the Carolina Panthers may have found their franchise quarterback officially in Teddy Bridgewater. Uh-oh. He went toe-to-toe. Now, Pat Mahomes was better, and the Chiefs prevailed. Uh, But Teddy Bridgewater, for three hours yesterday, went toe-to-toe with the GOAT in Pat Mahomes. He threw for 310 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Carolina lined up for a 67-yard field goal with a chance to win that game in the fourth quarter in Kansas City. Uh, It did not work out for them. Having Christian McCaffrey back was very helpful as well. He touched the ball 28 times in that game in his first game back, but... I think if you're Carolina, you're probably better served using any sort of high draft pick on something to help Teddy Bridgewater. So um, I, you know, at twenty million dollars too, he's, he's certainly not breaking the bank compared to like what Kirk Cousins makes or what Pat Mahomes makes. I think Teddy Bridgewater might have found his home mm-hmm. in Carolina yesterday. Probably solidified it. How about more. the first down run? Yeah, the fourteen fourth and fourteen. Yes, he runs. He helicopters. Yeah, he ran the ball twice for 19 yards. One of them was also a, a draw play touchdown to uh, to put Carolina back. In the Poor Declan, he's going to score. It's hard. No, it's one thing to get your heart broken, but it's another when when you're still in love with that person. Their life's just flourishing. You know, what, I though, never experienced that until Teddy Bridgewater. Here's the thing, though. This is what I would be worried about. He's he's definitely a franchise quarterback, but he's not anywhere near like a top five quarterback. True. He's sort of just a more clutch, better leader version of Kirk Cousins. He's kind of Philip Rivers. That's a big deal. He's kind of Philip Rivers. I think he's. I think he's good enough to make top quarterback money, but not good enough to ever like actually lead you to a Super Bowl. That's you, my take. You on know, you know that each night before Zim's head hits the pillow, he thinks, "What could have been?" He probably does. He does. I do. That was my guy. I, what could night. have been? But every you're. Night. But you're better off moving on to. The BYU kid, which we're going to keep calling him on the show. Teddy does not, I will say this, Teddy, for the most part, ordinarily does not screw up. Yeah, and he didn't yesterday. He does not ordinarily screw up. All right. Off your point, Phil Mackey. I I learned that the uh, three and six Carolina Panthers and the two and six Los Angeles Chargers are bad in 2020, but those are two teams I think I can identify as teams that are going to be good in 2021, and here's partially why. I mean, the Raiders might make the playoffs this year. Carolina's six defeats. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said Raiders. Chargers. Sorry, my bad. Carolina's six defeats so far have come by an average of 6.3 points, which is not too bad. The Chargers' six defeats have come by an average of four points. No. 
They are losing. They they are both competitive, and they both, I think, have their quarterbacks for the future, and they're losing close games. That, to me, means that they're easily, record-wise, could be a sea change for them in 2021. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Those are teams that are probably going to go like 5-11 and 11 and, and get a decent draft pick, but crescendo into next year. Imagine yeah. that idea. Well, the Vikings might be doing Imagine it, too. Imagine that idea. They might I like that it. idea. Uh, Dex, let's let's keep going here. Yeah, actually, you, you almost piggybacked or stole it off me, but uh, I think the Raiders are pretty solid, man. I, I, I'm pretty impressed by this team. They've actually been able to, even just their team statistics, their defense looks pretty good. They're, they're top 10 in, in points allowed. They're top, top 10 in points for. Derek Carr looks pretty serviceable. Like he's looked like, not even serviceable, look like he's taking a next step. I think uh, it's maybe by default because Denver and the Chargers aren't that good of teams. But I think the Raiders could actually make some noise in the AFC. They look pretty good. It is hilarious how much of a joke the John Gruden contract was three years ago. Yeah. They just like hired a, John Gruden has just become like a caricature of John Gruden, but and now all the COVID stuff that they're just ignoring. But <laughs> that's, that's but they're you know they're winning games. Uh, that game yesterday uh, that was super fun to watch on Red Zone going back and forth. That that Chargers receiver was so close to catching that ball at the end too. Speaking of Red Zone, oh. I learned that the Dolphins and the Cardinals are my two favorite Red Zone teams to watch right now. And when they're playing each other, it's even more fun. Yes. Now that Tua and Kyler Murray have taken over, so. So Tua, everyone criticized Tua. Well, first they criticized the Dolphins for, how can you pull Ryan Fitzpatrick? Uh, you know, he's playing so well, and the Dolphins are on the verge of maybe going to the playoffs. Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been in the league for 20 years almost. He's never played a playoff game. So, I don't know. Let that sink in for a second. Ryan Fitzpatrick he's has never played, a, never, played a, never played in a playoff game before. I no. That's I can't incredible. believe that. He wow. He literally played the Jets out of one, you know, two year, three years ago, and they were, what, 10 and four, and they decided wow. to win yep. one game, and he was disastrous. <laughs> an interception machine. That's a great factoid. And so they make the decision, well, let's go with the, the, the future now, and somebody who's mobile and who has a record going back to high school of like 55 and six or something, uh, and Tua. And, and then he was criticized in his first game because, you know, you're not going to be able to rely on special teams touchdowns, son. You're going to have to do something. And so he does something. He throws for 250 yards, two touchdowns, runs the ball seven times for 35 yards. And I think you saw what the modern NFL looks like, and you see it with Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is even more of a cyborg version of Tua <laughs> and uh, Kyler because he's bigger and stuff. But, uh, but like I watch these teams, Kyler and Tua, and they're going back and forth, and and they're running for first downs and keeping plays alive. And like that's the quarterback envy that it's I college. have every single day. It's college now. Yep. And it's it, before it was, well, that's that college stuff's not going to work in the NFL. And think about how many talented college quarterbacks were just like systematically squeezed out of being starting. I mean, Cordell Stewart is probably the prime example of a guy that 25 years ago would have yep. been great in today's NFL. Yep. You need to fit to our system, pocket passer, eye formation, yep. fullback. It's like that's 100 percent right. Or we could just mold it to the like, incredible multifaceted strength that these guys have. You've got ideas that we could potentially use. Oh, wow. Oh, you can run. All right. Well, that's that is. Yes. Let's yes te- on all of we'll that. We'll teach you how to run. But what if he gets hurt? We'll teach you how to not get hurt. We'll teach you how to get out well, of the way. Rules are, are and you more might get hurt. <laughs> like it might happen. But a statue gets hurt, too, right? Exactly. sitting back in the pocket. So those are the Football. things we learned um, in the NFL. Off your point, too, about the Dolphins, let's give credit on one thing. I think, and this might be the first one, boys, I think we have finally found a Belichick assistant who's good. Brian Flores in Miami is doing a really oh, good job. Right. And, and I think he might be, because what? 
Charlie Weiss flamed out in college, oh. right? Cornell went to Cleveland, and he did not have uh, success partially because the Browns are a dumpster fire. Um, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Uh, McDaniels in Denver. Mm-hmm. I think I think Brian Flores might be the first, if I'm correct about this, Belichick assistant who's really damn good. And Brian Flores, uh, he started off in the early 2000s, like when the when the Patriots were were just at the beginning stages of their dynasty. He basically started out like Kevin Stefanski did. I mean, Kevin Stefanski was a do anything Tommy staffer basically for Brad Childress, yeah. right? Yes. And and that's what Brian Flores was for Bill Belichick. And then so then he went into the he started on the scouting side, and then he got into being like the special teams assistant guy. Imagine that you're a special teams assistant. You're not the special teams coordinator. You're the guy who like yeah moves the T and helps you quality know. control stuff. Absolutely. Yep. And then he got and then he got into defensive backs coaching and and um, worked his way up. Never been a coordinator though. I think the they key, hired him as a linebackers coach. I've I think that I think the key thing that he has probably done, and this is something that the large group of Belichick assistants didn't do. It seems like he has taken Bill's ideas, but melded them with his own personality. Like how many of these guys, O'Brien, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm Belichick. It's like, no, you're not. You can't be. (laughs) But if you take his ideas and fit those to you, it might work. What a novel concept. Just say it. Bill Belichick. Um, Real quick, we we, we have to touch on the Gophers beating Illinois, but I mean, there's still some more Bears vent line left here. When do you start calling out Maggie for not developing anybody? And I want to make one more quick point. We Maggie, bottom three since the since our St. Louis game, bottom three defense, or excuse me, offense, hasn't developed anybody, hasn't adapted. Nick Foles is a former Super Bowl winner and MVP. When do we put the blame on Matt Nagy? Not calling play calling for today, but let's be fair about it. <laughs> I see with this offense is the high level of tolerance for subpar and mediocre play. Like there's no fire anywhere Mm-mm. from any player on that offense. You got guys fumbling the ball. Nick Foles at seventeen million dollars this year, throwing interceptions he shouldn't throw or taking sacks he shouldn't take, and they come off the field and there's nobody jawing on them. I mean, the time for patience is over. And I think that starts with the head coach. I don't see any fire there either. And look, fire spreads. Just (laughs) accepting this mediocre play. Okay, Mackie. You got to tell me, I'm right. It's 2007. Again, it's the Vikings. It's those teams. Childress didn't have the fire, right? Quarterback play. You're you're supposed to be. I mean, down to the down to this point, we are talking about two guys: Nagy Childress, Andy Reid, offensive assistants who didn't call plays. It's so true. Like it's the it's same. So and you, you if you if you take those calls and transplant the term or the team name Vikings for Bears, I bet you could overlay them on two years of Childress's regime here. And it's the same complaint. No, it's it's true. I mean, it's it remarkable. True. It's hilarious. I still think the Bears have a pretty good shot to make the playoffs here. I mean, their defense is so good. And I, I just like, how hard is it to find a way to score 17 points 
earlier than garbage well, cl- time. Clearly, clearly they are struggling with that in these past three games. Boys, let's let's touch on Gophers football here before we say goodbye for the day. I'm just going to read you this write-up from the Star Tribune. Gophers smoked Illinois, and Mo Ibrahim has, I think, vaulted himself into NFL draft pick territory by scoring all of the touchdowns. Um, Tanner Morgan realized that he has Rashad Bateman on the team. Yeah, how about that? That's nice. That's good. Hmm, he's good. This is from the Star Tribune. So those are all good reasons, potentially, for the Gophers to have finally gotten their first win. But maybe not the biggest reason. The Gophers were abysmal the first two football games of the season. And only coach P.J. Fleck could find the teachable moment in that unsavory set of performances. Quote, I read them a book, P.J. Fleck recalled. Everyone poops. That's right. P.J. Fleck read his team at a Friday team meeting before the Illinois game. Everyone poops. Quote continued. And I know that sounds crazy because we didn't play very well, but poop can be used as a fertilizer if you grow. And in Minnesota, we've got lots of farms and the poop is actually the manure and it can help with the crops and the best fruit and vegetables. End quote. Wow. The children's book, which depicts various animals relieving themselves, is meant to show kids how going number two is normal and nothing to be embarrassed about, especially since everyone does it. And that's essentially what Fleck was metaphorically trying to convey as well. That listen, hey, you're gonna have some pooper games once in a while. So this is learn from it. Fertilize yourselves. So he found the, the <laughs> nicest way possible to tell his defense you played like S. Yes. That is hundred percent. So don't keep playing like S. <laughs> I cannot wait for Unchained to hear what oh, Patrick Royce has to say about PJ Fleck <laughs> reading his team. The children's book, Everybody Poops. <laughs> it clearly worked. They dominated Illinois. They're back on the winning track. Is it Iowa this Friday night? Iowa on Friday get? night, yes. We can talk plenty about that game right. this week. And you know what? That Michigan loss at first, it was like, all right, well, yeah, no, Har- Harbaugh's got the guys on no, fire. Not anymore. Michigan got beat. Now, Indiana is a top 10 team for the first time, like, ever, basically. Is, is Harbaugh so, gone at this rate? I would think so. He'll, he'll probably get an NFL job if he wants it, though. Oh, I don't disagree with that. But yeah. I, I just, I mean... This team's awful. It's weird because Michigan. They, they keep it's not a recruiting problem too because they they do uh, they do keep recruiting like in the top five top ten according to the recruiting services. It's just, like he just isn't getting the most out of these players. So who knows? Maybe he needs to read books to his players. Well, he perhaps could take a page from this one. Good night. His moon. team has also played oh, like that. Good one. I like that one. Good night, Moon. Good book. How about Green Eggs and Ham? Classic. Can't believe you read it. That's just one so fish, two fish, red fish, blue oh, fish. Another great one. Yeah, but that's not going to help the kids. I'd read a Goosebumps. Green book, eggs actually. and ham actually huh. could. So, well, maybe we'll start reading books all, to Judd. All the places to, you go. That could be a good. one. Oh, that's a good. That's a re, that is actually that's a great choice. I love that. That's a great book. Fox and socks. Ooh, Fox and socks. It's been a while. That's a good one. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. I was going to say something, but I won't. The Exorcist. Maybe that's what Michigan needs. Uh, that's a wrap on today's episode of wow. Mackie and Judd. You can find us also Thanks, Linda Blair. daily Vikings conversations over at Purple Daily, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com, and also on youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. And we have a, a new YouTube channel that we launched a few months ago, youtube.com slash scorenorthmn, if you want to find uh, all of our discussions about, like, write that down. We put on there. We put a segment on there every single day. So. We'll see you guys tomorrow. You think you like football? Brad Childress doesn't just like football. He f- loves football. I did watch him. I was standing right behind him when he was warming up and saw him kind of 
reach for his groin and, you know, hold it and whatever you do with the groin. Rub it. That's what I think I witnessed. Um, It twinged a little bit on him. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.